Well, welcome to the Living Worship Podcast with Pastor Cameron Diamond. I'm sitting here in my office at Jonesville Baptist Church in Newberry, Florida. I'm excited that you've joined me this week. Um, if uh, you've um, been a part of this podcast for a while, you know that um, I aim to uh, read through the Bible and just kind of take it verse by verse and just make it easy to understand for the everyday person. Um, some people, you know, people tend to be on uh, one of two extremes. Either they go way, way deep into the academic kind of stuff where they go um, way, way deep on, well, the Bible's too hard to understand, so um, I'm not going to even bother reading it. Um, and really where we should be is is just reading the Word and seeking to understand it um, according to what we know and according to what we've, we've explained to us or what has been explained to us. But more than that, um, reading the Bible and depending on the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us, um, and always making sure that um, what we read and how we understand it is consistent uh, with the entire uh, Word of God, the entire counsel of God. Um, so we've been doing a study through First John. We are in First John 3 this week, and so if you're going to follow along with me, go ahead and turn there, and we're going to read the whole thing. All right, so starting in verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, just because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Alright, there's a little bit of a tongue twister in there, so we have to take that section, those three verses, carefully, right? But here's the bottom line here, and here's what we should be pulling out of this as we are reading, because uh, if you listen to the last couple weeks, and I encourage you to go back and do that if you haven't, uh, we are talking about assurance of salvation. We're talking about the difference between saved and unsaved, and even those who claim to be Christians, those who follow Jesus, but who really don't, and their lives the life proves that they are not following Jesus, right? Some people, they gave this really quick prayer at one time at some conference or some church gathering, and they think they've got fire insurance, right? As some preachers have said, right? I'm not going to hell because I prayed a prayer to Jesus 10 years ago. It doesn't work that way. A true conversion, right? True salvation experience is ongoing. It keeps happening. And when that happens, you are adopted into God's family totally and completely. When we give our lives to Jesus and we choose to follow him and make him our Lord and Savior, he will never, ever disown us. And as we go along in this life, in his family, we become more and more like he is. We become pure and holy. That doesn't happen right away as soon as you give your life to Christ. That's a process. There's a big fancy theological word for that called sanctification. But as we go, we are purified by the Holy Spirit. And a part of that is we are given power to overcome sin and evil in our life. Now, that part does happen immediately. And not saying that you're going to get it right, right away. You're not going to learn how to lean on God's power to overcome the sin and evil in your life. That's a part of that sanctification process, but the power is there 
throughout the process from beginning to end, and it's teaching you how to do it. But here's, here's the opposite of that. You see, people who don't know Jesus or people who choose to go their own way, whether they've claimed Jesus with their mouth or, or not, they are not going to get you. They're not going to understand you. They don't have this power to overcome sin and evil in their life. In fact, sin and evil is their normal. Even if they seem moral, at first, it's not going to last. Because it's a learned behavior, but it has nothing to do with being spiritual. It has nothing to do with following Jesus. So it's not permanent. And so you will be the ultimate mystery to them. But when, G- when they see Jesus in you, they're not going to be able to be neutral anymore. That's why boldness is so necessary for the Christian life. Because you see, when they see Jesus in you, and you living it out boldly, and talking about it boldly, they are going to have to choose to either follow Jesus too, or they're going to choose to oppose Jesus completely. And there's not really any middle ground in that. And maybe they show it outwardly. Maybe it's all inwardly. Maybe it takes them time to choose Jesus. But they're going to have to make that choice. There is a fork in the road at that point. And there is no middle path. All right, let's pick it up at verse 4. It says, Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. And everyone who remains in him does not sin. And everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin, because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin, because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. Alright, John is painting it black and white here. There's two camps of people. God's kids and the devil's kids. Those who are a part of God's family and those who are not. Maybe that will help you see the people around you a little bit differently because the devil's children, God wants to redeem them. He wants to adopt them into his family. And he's going to use you to do that. You are God's hands and feet. You ought to be speaking life into them. Now, ultimately, they have to choose. You can't manipulate or debate anyone into faith. But that doesn't mean you do nothing. You work at it. But as far as these verses goes, John here is referring to the enjoyment and practice of sin. See, as Christians, we're going to slip up. Every now and then, and if you are a newer Christian, you're probably going to be slipping up more often than a mature Christian would be. Now, I say that. A mature Christian doesn't mean old, and young Christian doesn't mean young, right? It really means on the um, amount of time purposefully following Jesus. 
I've met people who are uh, have been Christians a long time but are still kind of babies in the faith. But I've also met people who are young and who are intentionally pursuing Jesus every moment they can. And they are very mature in their faith, right? It has nothing to do with age. Not physical age, anyway. So John here, he's not talking about if you commit one sin, you're in total darkness and you're a lost cause forever. No, 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 no. See, the difference here, and if you really study the passage, right, you'll see this. As Christians, what he's saying is we cannot peacefully live with our sin. The Holy Spirit won't let us. We cannot make a habit of sin constantly in our life. It, it's, it's impossible. We are going to be um, fighting against God the whole way, and He is going to discipline us because we are His children. But those who do not make Jesus their Lord and Savior, they have loose morals. They're not tied down. They're not bolted to the floor, so they have no reason to do what is right. So they, they will go with whatever culture deems to be good at the time. And culture is constantly changing. And it's constantly contrary to the Bible. Your assurance of salvation is your fight against sin. So what you need to ask yourself is, are you actually fighting it? Or are you being led by Satan and culture instead here, there's your clue of your assurance of salvation. What camp are you in? Are you fighting against sin, being led by the Spirit? Or are you welcoming sin and making sin your practice and being led by Satan and culture? Alright, verse 11. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother... And why did he murder him? Well, because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. And everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And this is how that we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Alright, here is more confidence in your salvation. Here is another thing for you to consider. Do you show love for other Christians? And, and Christians don't always get along. Sometimes they fight, they bicker, they misunderstand each other. Do you love them past the differences that you have? Do you learn to celebrate differences with other people and learn from them? Do you love them? Or do you practice bitterness and hate when other people don't behave the way that you would wish? Again, we're talking about life practices, who you are choosing to be as a person. And that doesn't mean like if the other person is treating you badly, 
right? That is not permission for you to treat them badly in return. No, you love them through it. If they're a Christian, you bring them to a greater spiritual maturity through your example in that circumstance. Let's finish it up. In verse 21, it says, Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commands and do what is pleasing in His sight. Now this is His command, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps His commands remains in Him, and He in Him. And the way we know that He remains in us is from the Spirit He has given us. Now we don't do what God says simply because God said it, right? Although that's a fine reason. But a greater reason is that we obey God because He loved us. And we love Him by keeping His commands. And that is another reassurance of, are you saved or are you not? Do you have a love, a passion, and a commitment to the Lord? And does that result in you following what he's commanded? See, it used to be in the Old Testament, as you read, that the Israelites, they had the laws that God gave them to follow, but the problem was they followed those laws out of a sense of duty. And it resulted in them turning away from the Lord and following idols instead because they didn't really love the Lord. And so when it ceased to seem to be important to them, they just threw their faith away. And we can look at the Israelites as an example for us as individuals and as churches as what not to do and to remain vigilant in that. As we walk with the Lord, our life aligns with His will. It says here that... Um, when you ask, He will give you whatever you ask. Well, why is that? It's because if you're in His will, what we ask of God is going to be perfectly within what He desires for us anyway. It's not the genie in the lamp kind of, kind of deal here. God's not doing that. That's um, a false version of Christianity that we call the prosperity gospel. Don't follow that. That is dangerous. God is not your servant. We follow the Lord because we love Him. And we love Him because He loved us first. And if we follow His commands and we are within His will, whatever we need, whatever we ask for, He's going to provide for us so that we can keep accomplishing His will. But He's not going to give you the desires of your heart if they are inherently evil and sinful at their root. That's not it then. So the goal then, our focus, is to live purely before God, to have confidence in our salvation, and boldly give the gospel to the people that he has placed in our lives. Well, I hope um, today this has given you some assurance of your salvation, some confidence, maybe some things to think about. Um, and I want to leave you with also, you know, as believers, who are the people that God has placed in your life? to give the gospel to, and are you faithfully sharing it with them? Well, that's it for this week. I appreciate you listening. I, um, you know, I, 
it's kind of uncomfortable for me asking for um, the for the reviews and um, you know giving me five stars or thumbs up or however it is wherever you're listening. But it is so important um, for getting the podcast out there. So if you would share it with your friends, write reviews, all that stuff, um, and that's that's going to um, again just provide for the longevity of what it is that I'm doing here. So thank you, and I'll talk to you next week.